Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. And on today's episode, I'm continuing Ray Harryhausen month, and I'm going to be talking about one of his more popular entries and probably features his most popular creation of all time. And the film in question is The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad that came out in 1958. So, <clears throat> I I covered the, uh, the Cyclops, just the Cyclops by itself, which is, you know, probably his most popular creation that he ever did. I covered that by itself in just a spotlight for the Cyclops. So, some of the information that I'm going to give in this episode, it might sound a little familiar or whatever, but that's only because, you know, I already covered the Cyclops and I figured I would just go on ahead and cover some of that again. Now, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. I didn't see this movie for the first time until I was, well, grown. Like, I wasn't a teenager or anything. I was, I was well into, like, my, you know, my, my late 20s before I actually saw this movie. And, you know, I've, I've told you guys about my, my issues with trying to see, um, see certain films because I grew up without heart, with, you know, no internet. And eventually we got direct TV and I would just catch movies here and there. And whenever I was younger, like if I didn't have it on VHS or just so happened to catch it in a hotel room with my dad, like it just didn't, I just didn't see it. And so it was years and years and years had gone by before I finally saw this movie. Um, I had seen Clash of the Titans and Jason and the Argonauts in hotel rooms whenever I was a little kid. So I, I, I've been a fan of those films for, you know, most of my life. But um, my introduction to Sinbad, naturally, you know, pretty much everybody knows that Sinbad is based on the tales that that is in 1001 Nights or 1001 Arabian Nights or just simply Arabian Nights, whichever one you feel like calling it. And it talks about his various adventures and everything that he had. And it does go, you know, he does end up having like seven voyages in 1001 Nights. And I'll, I'll get more to that here in a minute about like the differences in some of the voyages and all of that. But uh, my introduction to Sinbad was there was a an old animated TV series that was called Mellow Tunes or me it was like M E L dash O dash Tunes and so I I just call them Mellow Tunes but um they took a lot of like myths and tales and stories of adventure and all of that. And they would do, it was very, very limited animation. The animation was not very good. The series uh, aired, there's about a hundred episodes, a little over a hundred episodes and it aired in 1960. So it's a, it's a pretty old cartoon series, but they did things like, you know, Daniel Boone, Aladdin, uh, Tom Sawyer, uh, you know, just various little, little tales and stuff like that. And one of the ones that they did was Sinbad. And this, that was the very first time I'd ever heard of Sinbad, that I ever saw anything dealing with Sinbad. And in 
the little cartoon short. It's only about six minutes long. <clears throat> it talks about how Sinbad gets shipwrecked. He encounters The Rock. Uh, for those of you that don't know, The Rock, which is spelled R-O-C, is a giant mythological bird from uh, like Middle Eastern mythology and all of that. And he encounters The Rock. He encounters a Cyclops in this little cartoon. And he goes into a diamond mine and like gets diamonds. And that's where he gets his riches from and all of that. It, it was a pretty cool little cartoon whenever I was a kid. And I actually found it on YouTube uh, about two days ago. Like it just it clicked in my head that these things existed. Uh, I had completely forgotten about them. And so uh, I pulled some of them up and was watching them. And yeah, they're they're not near as awesome as I remember, but I got a good heavy dose of nostalgia while I was watching them. And after that, the other version of Sinbad that I saw that was real big for me whenever I was a kid, uh, it happened in 1936, this particular animated short, and it was called Popeye the Sailor Meets Sinbad the Sailor. And, you know, that, that uh, particular cartoon is Popeye and Bluto is pretty much playing the role of Sinbad and The Rock is in there and all that. Like, it, it was a cool little cartoon. I really enjoyed it and all. So that was pretty much how I became a fan of Sinbad. I was not a fan of this movie until I was well grown, but I've been a fan of Sinbad for the vast majority of my life. And... I'm going to go on ahead and say, because I don't know if it's coming across or anything in the recording, if um, if I sound tired or if I sound like kind of groggy or something like that, it's because um, I've been up at the time of this recording, it is 4.26, and I've been up since 1 o'clock. And the reason why is because about two nights ago at the time of this recording, there was a, a minor little storm here in Alexandria, Louisiana, and a tree branch fell off of a tree that's in my backyard and hit the lines that go from my house to the power lines and all of that, and ripped the lines out of the house, and so... I called the city to get them to come and try and hook everything back up. And because it got ripped from my house, they say that I have to contact an electrician and get them to, to come and hook everything up. And I was hoping that that would have been taken care of yesterday, but the individual, I'm, I'm not super, super thrilled with, <laughs> with, with what he's done so far because uh, it took him forever to come out to the house said he was going to have to go buy the parts and all of that kind of stuff and um, quoted an ungodly amount of money that this little project is going to uh, going to cost. Drug around all day long, comes back to the house at about 1, 1.30. It starts raining. Doesn't matter to him that like, oh, this, short, this shower is probably only going to last about maybe 10 minutes or something like that and then it'll be done. He shut down for the day and was just like, I'll be back tomorrow. And I wasn't here. I was at work. My lovely fiance, Emily, was was dealing with this. And I, I told her that uh, it, it's a good thing that I wasn't here. Because uh, me me, me, and that individual would not be, uh, we wouldn't be too, too grand. So he's going to be back in the morning, probably in about three and a half hours from the time of this recording. And uh, 
I'm, I'm going to try my best to be civil. But yeah, so that's why I'm tired. It is very hot. We currently have no power. Um, so yeah, I've been sleeping in the house with no, no AC, no fans, no nothing. And yeah, so I'm very tired. I'm very sleepy. And uh, I've been up for, you know, a little while so far. And uh, probably going to try and fall back asleep after I'm done recording this episode. <laughs> But, uh, anywho, all, all of that, you know, you guys don't care about what all is going on in old, old Cal's personal life and all that stuff, so let's, let's jump straight into the movie, shall we? Now, the original treatments and everything for this film came about because, quite frankly, and I mentioned this in his career spotlight, Ray Harryhausen got tired of destroying cities. In his own words, in interviews that were compiled for the um, Blu-ray that I have called Ray Harryhausen, a Titan of Special Effects. Um, he said he had destroyed New York with the Redosaurus. He destroyed Rome with Ymir, San Francisco with the Octopus, Washington, D.C. with the Flying Saucers. He, he was fed up with destroying cities, like building props and, and destroying cities. So he decided he wanted to go back to fantasy and, you know, just do something that takes place in the past. And originally what happened with that was he drew a lot of concept art and was taking it around to various studios and all of that kind of stuff and like, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to do something concerning Sinbad, like... You know, I think this would be pretty cool. Nobody jumped on it. Nobody touched it. Nobody wanted it and everything. And so uh, part of the reason why was because RKO had just released a a um, film that was called The Son of Sinbad, and it didn't perform very well. And there was actually an instance where someone, I can't remember who or whatever, but somebody flat out told him, Costume pictures are dead. And that that's what they referred to, those type of movies, like, you know, that took place in the past where it was big, elaborate sets, and they, they basically had to wear costumes. They were referred to as costume pictures. And so he was told, costume pictures are dead. Move on. And so, you know, a little while went by before he uh, he finally pitched it again. And Columbia jumped on it and was like, "Okay, yeah, 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 we're we're gonna we're gonna do this and all of that." And so he starts, you know, the script starts getting written and all of that. Now it is called the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. It actually does not really follow the actual adventure tale, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, that's found in One Thousand and One Nights. It's much more closer it has elements of the third voyage and the fifth voyage and those elements are in the third voyage it's basically if you're familiar with uh the odyssey and odysseus and his crew whenever they come and they encounter the cyclops uh polyphemus and who is the son of poseidon and all of that um <clears throat> and he you know starts eating members of the crew and they end up blinding him and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, that story is basically lifted straight from the Greek myths and was translated in a an Arabian-type sense to be a Sinbad tale. And so that's where the elements of the Cyclops come from. And then in the fifth voyage, 
um, in the movie, we got to see a little bit of The Rock in the movie, and in the the fifth voyage, the actual adventure tale, like, they encounter an egg that is the egg of a rock, they hatch it open, <clears throat> they take out the baby chick that was inside, they kill it, they cook it, they eat it, and then whenever they're leaving, the parents of the baby, they pretty much find out what happened, they know that they're responsible, and so they chase after them, <clears throat> and they're dropping rocks on the ship and all of that, and they end up getting shipwrecked. And so th those are like some of the elements that were lifted from the tales to be in this, but it was titled The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Now, this film is the first film to use the term dynamation, which stands for dynamic animation. And I covered this in the career spotlight, but the reason they decided to go with a new term to talk about his stop motion was because there were a lot of adults whenever they would just simply hear that something was animated or talking about animation, they would immediately think about a cartoon and they were less likely to watch it because back then, you know, I mean, it's not like it is today where like there are many adult animated films, you know, like things dealing with anime and uh, adult animated uh, TV shows, just throwing out there things like, you know, Family Guy and American Dad, The Simpsons and all of that kind of stuff. Like, there wasn't, like, cartoons were for kids back then. And so they didn't really want people to hear the word animation and think, oh, well, that's just some kind of animated cartoon or something like that. I'm not going to watch it. So they decided to come up with a new term, and it was dynamic animation. They combined it to create the term dynamation. Now, uh, this was also the very first full-color stop-motion film. It was, the very, it was the first one that was a stop-motion. It's considered to be a stop-motion film that was shot fully, 100% in color. Now, production began on the film in June of 1957, so, you know, here we are in June of 2022, so <laughs> that lets you know that the film has stood the test of time, that uh, it began in 1957, and here I am in 2022, still uh, still talking about it and all of that. Um, the original setting for the film, like where they were going to shoot at, they were going to shoot it in the Middle East. Uh, that comes straight from Ray Harryhausen himself in an interview that I watched on YouTube that he did. And he said that he was going to originally want the location to be in the Middle East, but there was turmoil going on in the Middle East, so they chose Spain instead. And um, <clears throat> the, the actor that ends up playing Sinbad, uh, he talked about, uh, in an interview sometime in the 80s, I believe, uh, what it was like for him to, like, meet Ray and all of that kind of stuff whenever he was cast. He, uh, his name was Kerwin Matthews, and whenever he was traveling to the set, first he flew to Paris. From Paris, he caught another plane and flew to Spain. Once he got to the uh, airport in Spain, he was put on a horse and carriage and pulled to this palace where is where a lot of the palace scenes were shot in the film. 
and he was put in a costume, a turban was put on his head, he was brought into like the bed chambers, he met Ray, and he's like, so what's the first thing we're shooting? And Ray is quoted saying, well, as you can see, we have a little girl right here on this pillow. And so the, the first scene that Matthews ended up shooting was the scene uh, where he discovers the princess has become very, very small, which the way that they were able to shoot that was that they would shoot uh, her scenes on a, they used blue screens at this point in time, not green screens. They would shoot her scenes and then they would shoot another like, you know, live action scene of people like interacting with her and then they would just simply superimpose her into the frame. And that's how they ended up getting that. But there were a lot of scenes where it was just, you know, they didn't do like green screens. Like it was just her in the frame that they would do. So they had to build massive props for her to interact with. There was a giant plate. Uh, one of the ones that stands out to me is uh, the giant pillow that um, she's laying on or standing on, whatever it is, whenever uh, Sinbad first discovers her, they had to build a 40-foot pillow for her to, to be on to make it look real and all of that. And not only that, but they would also have the camera pulled way, way back, just making her seem smaller in the frame than what she actually was. And, yeah. So, um, as far as his stop-motion creations go like you know i've already talked about that the cyclops is probably his most famous and popular creation that he did but there's multiple like sequences in this film dealing with other creatures that are very very memorable very iconic and all of that uh the snake woman is very iconic uh she was actually one of ray's favorite ones to to animate he really enjoyed animating her and in order to, like, get her movements right and all of that, he would study belly dancing so that he could, you know, know best uh, how to make her make her movements and all of that. Um, something that a lot of people have probably always noticed about the Snake Woman is her arms. And the fact that whenever she's moving around, her arms are just kind of willy-nilly, you know, like they, they flop around a little bit. There's not really an elbow joint. And some people, upon looking at that, they might think, gum, you know, you're going to go through all of that stuff to, you know, <laughs> to make these nice-looking models. You couldn't have put an elbow in the forearms, like, you know, ah. Well, believe it or not, that was done on purpose. Because she was a snake woman, Ray wanted her arms to move and slither like a snake. So he said there couldn't be an elbow in it. So that's why her arms look the way that they do in the film. Um... The dragon, you know, the dragon is very well known and very iconic in the film. I really don't have a whole lot to report on the dragon, but yeah, the dragon is in there. Um, as far as the rock is concerned, you know, we get to see uh, the rock in this, the giant bird. In the actual mythological tales and stories from like A Thousand and One Nights and all of that, uh, the rock only has one head. Like, it's not a two-headed bird. The only reason why he uh, made this version of the rock have two heads is because he wanted it to look more like fantasy. And he didn't want people, for anyone that was not familiar with the rock, knowing that it was an actual mythological creature, just like a cyclops or a centaur 
or something like that. He didn't want them to think like, okay, it's just a giant bird. So he's like, no, I'm going to give it two heads so that they know that this is like a, a mythological creature or something like that. And so that's why the rock ends up having two heads in the film. And then naturally we have the Cyclops. So many people love the Cyclops. I love the Cyclops. He's one of my, he's one of my favorites. I would probably, I'd probably say he's my in top three, uh, favorite Ray Harryhausen creations. Number one being the Retosaurus and then the Ymir. And then I would say the Cyclops. And so I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail with the Cyclops because I've covered all of this stuff in the, uh, the spotlight that I did weeks and weeks and weeks ago on the Cyclops, but there were two Cyclops that were made for the film. The first one that we see, pretty much the, I'll call him the primary Cyclops, uh, he was larger and he only had one horn, has the most annoying roar ever known to man. Like, I'm sorry, I just, ah. Every time I watch this movie and I hear that Cyclops start yelling, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, would you please, like, tone it down? But, um, yeah, so, uh, naturally, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the film, that Cyclops dies, but then towards the end of the film, the dragon gets loose and another Cyclops shows up. This one was smaller than the other one because he wanted it to look a little bit more in line with the dragon, um... And another thing, this the second Cyclops was actually made with the armature from the Ymir, from 20 million miles to Earth. So, which to me is kind of ironic, because the Ymir from 20 million miles to Earth was originally going to be a Cyclops, before Ray decided to give him more of a reptilian look that we ended up getting in the final, the final version of the film. Um... <clears throat> Pretty much the only other major thing that I can talk about is the skeleton duel, which everyone knows, you know, you think Ray Harryhausen and skeletons, everybody pretty much already goes to uh, Jason and the Argonauts because of, you know, that's a very iconic scene, like, you know, uh, seven skeletons going up against, uh, you know, the three remaining heroes and all of that. Like, it's a very iconic scene. A lot of people don't know that that scene was inspired, like, well, it was probably going to be in there, and I wouldn't necessarily say inspired, because it is part of the actual myths of Jason, the adventures of Jason in Greek mythology. But, um, and I'll, I'll talk more about that uh, whenever I actually cover Jason and the Argonauts. So, stay tuned. But, um, uh... The, this duel that's in this film between Sinbad and the skeleton, that really made Ray like, oh yeah, I like this, I enjoy this. Um, he, he likes skeletons. He thinks skeletons are, are, you know, interesting. He said as a joke one time in an interview, he's like, I don't know why anybody is afraid of skeletons or something like that. He said, because we all have one, you know? So, um, but yeah, um... The duel itself, they ended up, for rehearsing and all of that, they would end up, they got uh, Kerwin Matthews, a, I believe he was French, a French um, fencing, like, duelist person, and trained Kerwin on how to use the sword, and 
he would help him go through like a lot of the the motions and the choreography and all of that and then Kerbin just simply shadow boxed basically with a sword and then uh Ray did the stop motion for the skeleton. Uh the skeleton was actually in some markets um I'm sorry, not the skeleton. No, it was the skeleton too. Uh, I, f I forgot about that. Uh, the skeleton was actually in some markets deemed to be too scary. And there were some markets whenever the film was released, they completely removed the skeleton duel entirely. But in other markets, uh, namely, I'll say Britain, um, the Cyclops was deemed to be too scary. And they thought that kids were going to be afraid of the Cyclops. So they eliminated some of the Cyclops' scenes in the film. Namely, according to Ray Harryhausen, the scene where he's cooking members of the crew. So, <laughs> but, yeah, guys, um, as much as I hate to say what I'm about to say, that, that pretty much does it. I mean, um, there wasn't a whole lot of information on this movie out there that I could find. I watched a pretty good chunk of, uh, like, you know, some interviews that I could find on YouTube, and all of that, and I read um, a few blogs that I was able, well, I wouldn't necessarily say blogs, um, you know, I don't know, I, <laughs> I read some stuff online, and, um, and naturally I got some of my information from the Blu-ray that I have, Ray Harryhausen, a titan of special effects, but yeah, that, there's just not a whole lot on this movie, and, you know, I've been taught, I've been thinking that whenever this kind of thing happens, like if I find more information later, depending on the amount of information, I might do another episode one day in the future of like, you know, just for example, this one, I would say the seventh voyage of Sinbad revisited, you know, and I would just kind of change up the way that I talk about it, add in the new stuff that I found out and all of that. Like, you know, just something from that I, I ponder on from here from time to time. So, all right, guys, that does it for the seventh voyage of Sinbad. And this Wednesday, so my next episode, that's going to be the Weekly Kaiju Havoc, will be my 100th episode. I will announce the winner of the contest, who's going to be, they're going to get a $50 gift card. They'll get to choose a movie, any movie that they want, and I'll cover it on the podcast. And if you want, if you're not, you know, stage fright or anything like that, you can be a guest on a future episode of the podcast and all that. So I've gotten a few more people to enter now that I've said that, you know, if you don't want to be a guest on the show, you can opt out of that. I've gotten a few more people to enter. So I'm going to, I'm going to up the ante one last time just to try and get as many people involved as I can. You know, I said in order to enter, you had to go and like, like and follow all of my social medias and all of that kind of stuff. I understand that some of you are not on a lot of social medias and you're not going to create an account just to go follow me so that you can enter this contest, you know. So for the last few days before the contest is up, you know, right here, right now, making the announcement, sticking by it, there are no longer any rules. <laughs> I just, I want to get as many people entered as I can to give you guys a chance and all of that kind of stuff. So now if you want to be entered into the contest, all you've got to do is reach out to me and say, Hey, put me down. I want to be entered into the contest. 
So just reach out to me on Facebook, which is Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast, or my Godzilla Ultima fan page that I have that is just simply titled Godzilla Ultima. And then on Instagram, YouTube, and uh, TikTok, I am Cal, the Kaiju guy. So stay tuned for this Wednesday for my 100th episode. Me, Kid Kong, my friend Ian, we're going to be, we're going to watch the original King Kong film um, prior to doing the episode. And then we're just going to have a discussion about the, uh, about the film and all of that. And I'll announce the winner and all of that stuff. So next week, uh, like, you know, next Saturday, a week from today at the time of this recording, Ray Harryhausen month is, uh, continuing on. I will be talking about one of my personal favorite films, not just for Ray Harryhausen, but just in general, like, cause I just, I love this movie so much and I will be talking about Jason and the Argonauts. This is one of the earliest films that I remember catching. Like, I've been a fan of Jason and the Argonauts probably just as long, maybe even longer, than I've been a fan of King Kong, Godzilla, and all of that kind of stuff. So, very excited to be able to get to that one. So, all right, guys. As always, thank you so much. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you want a chance to win, be in the contest and everything, just shoot me a message and say that you're entered and you want to do it. Um, as far as how I'm going to choose a winner, I'm just going to do it old school, guys. Everyone who's entered, I'm just going to write your name down on a piece of paper, throw it in a bowl, mix it up, and pull one out. <laughs> you know, because I'm just, I'm very simple like that. So that's what I'm going to end up doing, and I'll announce the winner. It will be a live announcement whenever I do the uh, the episode. Like, I'm not going to do it beforehand and just be like, oh, by the way, so-and-so won, like, you know, in the episode this Wednesday, whenever I'm, uh, when we're recording it and all that, that's whenever I'll find out who the winner is for the first time. So you guys will get to see me, Kid Kong, and Ian's actual reactions to the winner. So best of luck to all of you. If you want in, just shoot me a message and I'll say that you're in and we'll be good to go from there. So, all right, guys, love each and every one of you. Wouldn't be doing this without you. Y'all are the best. We'll catch y'all this Wednesday for my 100th episode. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy signing out.